Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring them out. It's time to salute your sports on KCOU 88.1 FM at KCOU.FM. James, turn the right microphone on. Hello, world. There we go. And welcome <laughs> to another fantastic edition of Salute Your Sports. I am Matthew Terry. Chris Mitchell along my side. James Stanley behind the board. A full cast for the second straight week. And if you don't behave, I'll put you back in timeout. <laughs> Just throw him right back in there. Yeah, James turned my microphone off again, so i got to talk really loudly. All right, there we go. But... Yes, Matthew, James, and Chris here for another fine Wednesday afternoon edition of KCOU's longest-running sports talk show, Salute Your Sports, with a big day for Missouri football tomorrow. And I know what you may be thinking. The spring game. Yes, James. Yeah. Matthew, it's spring. Why is there football going on? The AAF disbanded. Why is it such a big day for football, especially Mizzou? Well, different voice and straw man person that I am just enacting for this bit what's big is that the nfl draft is tomorrow and for those that are unaware the nfl draft is when basically college players are hand-picked by nfl teams and are forced to play for these god-awful franchises for four straight years before they can go to a team they actually want to play for the nfl draft unironically i love it just yeah. because I love watching uh, roster construction and watching how different college players will fit into separate teams. But also it can be a stressful time if you build a certain connection or a just fond feeling of any of these college players that are forced in this draft. Like most Mizzou fans have done to one quarterback, Drew Locke. Drew Locke has entered the NFL draft. He will be most likely drafted in the first round tomorrow on Thursday, April 25th. And if things go horribly, maybe not until Friday in the second round, but most people, like from most mock draft experts and most people that follow the NFL draft closely say that Locke is going to be a first-round pick. So expect to see him walk across the stage tomorrow to go to whatever team has collected the services of the Missouri uh, four-year starter. So... We here at Salute Your Sports know that this is a big day for Drew Locke and also for his future. So we're going to decide, sort of delve into it. Want to discuss potential fits, potential rankings with Drew amongst the other quarterbacks in the draft. And of course, personally, where we want to see him go. So first, I want to talk about Drew in comparison to the other quarterbacks in the NFL draft. Now, Locke is rated a first-round pick by most big boards, generally considered the third-best quarterback in this upcoming draft. Yeah, that sounds about right, at least behind, like, uh, Kyler Murray. Behind Kyler Murray, the Heisman winner out of Oklahoma, and behind Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. From there on, it is pretty much just subjective where Locke falls in because there are other quarterbacks like Daniel Jones out of Duke, 
Ryan Finley out of North Carolina State, or even Will Greer out of West Virginia that people have over Mr. Locke. According to uh, Draft Trek, the website that I just happened to click on right now, they have Locke as the 13th overall best player in this draft, hmm. third-ranked quarterback behind Murray and Locke. And we expect Locke to go about in the middle of the first round. Yeah, that sounds about right. So Locke is expected to be, like I mentioned, the third quarterback off the board. And to talk about where we think Locke is going to go, we also need to realize, we also need to figure out where those two quarterbacks ahead of him, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, are probably going to go as well. Because where they go will definitely influence who uses their first-round pick on Mr. Drew Locke. So the biggest one is Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray could go, I'd be surprised if he went, if he fell further than the sixth overall pick in the draft. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think the general consensus now is that uh, the Cardinals are probably going to try to like flip Rosen for like, I don't know, probably not a first round pick at this point, but probably like a second or third round pick and then go for Kyler Murray and have that be their guy going into the future. And after that, I think, who's up next? I think mm, probably not the Raiders or uh Tampa, but the Giants definitely are a team to watch for, like, I don't know, if they want to, like, draft a quarterback this year. I know some people have had their, uh, like, team connected to, like, Dwayne Haskins. Some people have said Drew Locke, not a whole lot. But very few have said, you know, like, Daniel Jones or Ryan Finley. But definitely, like, the top, like, three in contention, I think, for uh, being drafted by the New York Giants so far is just mainly a uh, like Murray, if he drops that far, which again we we doubt here at Salute Your Sports, Drew Locke, and then uh, Dwayne Haskins. We're talking about where exactly Locke would where we'd like to see him. Where, no, right now we're talking about like where we one. Thanks for paying attention, James. And two, <laughs> hey, I'm I, I'm getting your breaks in an order, so we don't have a hitch in this show. Although, ironically, just created a hitch. But yeah, cool. uh, we're talking about where we think Locke will go in relation to the other quarterbacks in this draft. I think he has a pretty good chance of of going at the number one or number two quarterback spot. Not, not obviously not overall in the, in the draft. Are you listening to anything we said? No, I, (laughs) (laughs) no, I, I have this, I have this opinion based on the fact that he has really brought his draft stock up out of the last, uh, out of the last three or four months. And uh, he's, he's really developed, which I don't quite understand because one thing from Locke that, uh, that, that we, that we've not seen that we saw from, great quarterbacks like Chase Daniel or even uh, Blaine Gabbert, who, of course, did not really make a lot of wake in the NFL, is that Drew Locke, uh, okay, let's put it this way, Daniel and mm-hmm. even even James Franklin, to, to a degree, mm-hmm. were able to be good quarterbacks even when their receivers were not that good. Drew mm-hmm. Locke, however, relies on having yep. good receivers, mm-hmm. and this is part of the Missouri method of football, and that's okay. taking yep. two-star guys and bringing them up to, mm-hmm. to the four or five-star level yep. by having a, a quarterback that's able to do that. Drew Locke is not like that. Okay. Anyways, what we were getting at when you weren't listening was that Drew Locke is firmly the third-ranked quarterback in this draft uh, behind Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. If Murray had opted to stay in baseball like there was pretty much everyone thought he would do during his, scene, during his junior year at Oklahoma, rather, before entering this draft this year, was that Murray would be the third ranked quarter? Would be Murray would stay in baseball. He was drafted by the Oakland Athletics, like ninth overall, and then Haskins would be the top quarterback, and Locke would be number two. 
it's pretty much been firmly established that one through four is, is going to be Murray Haskins, Locke Jones. The only thing I could see, I could see Jones, like, surprisingly leaping over Locke if some team, like, really loves him for some reason. Uh, yeah, I again, I think that would have to rely on someone, like, trading up, someone like Washington or someone like Miami, like, trading up. Even then, you still got to, like, compare him between, like, I don't know. Sonos just kind of, like, fits his... Uh, his profile, if you catch my drift, uh, Ryan Finley, are they going to like go for like someone like him instead as opposed to like a Daniel Jones? Or are they just going to hop on a Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins? Especially if they uh, trade up to somewhere in like the top ten or maybe even the top five. I don't know. So, Something like that. So I was on uh, last past Friday the Preferred Walk-Ons, which is our KCRU show going friend on the Friday. A uh, friend of the show, Preferred Walk-Ons, which had uh, I was replacing Garrett Jones because I'm better than him. Anyway. <laughs> I, I hope he's listening. But uh, I was on, we did a mock draft on that show. And the landing spot for Drew Locke, Locke ended up going as the second ranked quarterback off the board, which contradicts everything that Chris and I have said. Yeah, I believe spot. that. <laughs> but I'm sticking with it, even though I'm going down with the chip. But uh, we had Locke going in what I believe is the most likely pick, going 10th overall to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and as much as right. all the Kansas City very realistic. Chiefs fans that are not only on this show, but also listening to this. But the Chiefs don't need a quarterback. Don't I don't want to see him going to a division rival if you let me finish my sentence. <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah. That's what I think Locke is going to do. Uh, I'd be, that'd be very unfortunate. Uh, I'd, hate to, I'd hate to see the local boy get a... Get chopped up so that, by that D-line. That's my pick for most likely spots for Drew Locke in this draft. We've heard a lot about how John Elway, the general manager of the Denver Broncos, really likes Drew Locke as a quarterback, as a player. They're in a prime spot to take him at number 10. Well, he was even here over uh, during the Arkansas game. Yep, exactly. They have Joe Flacco as a one-year starter. Currently, the Broncos do. So they're in prime position to let a rookie quarterback develop for a year before throwing him into the Wolves. And I think all of that considered, it's just perfect for Locke to go right there. I just have a feeling Locke is going to end up like playing Gabbert in the NFL. I, You're not to, alone. To, to me, he's he's not comfortable in the pocket. I realize that Mizzou had a great offensive line the last, his last two years here. But still, uh, I don't know. It seems like he has the, 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 the heebie-jeebies is the best thing I can call it. <laughs> He gets, gets wide-eyed once he sees those, those big rattled. linemen break through. Yeah, and there's a lot of big linemen in the AFC <laughs> in the West. NFL. I don't know if you knew that. Or just in the NFL in general. And just Yeah, just a lot a lot of big boys in the NFL. I don't know if that's too much of a hot take, but yeah. You like facing Alabama every night. <sighs> Man. Hey, remember that game. one touchdown he threw against Alabama, though? Yeah, yeah. No, only touchdown. Yeah. That's right. But, anyways, that's, I think, the most likely fit for Locke, but I don't know if it's the best fit. Yeah, I'm not sure either, really. Because Detroit, or I'm sorry, not Detroit, Denver. Denver has a very uh, bad reputation for quarterbacks. Yeah. Especially ones that have been drafted by John Elway, Mm -hmm. including uh, Brock Osweiler and Paxton Paxton Lynch Lynch most recently. Uh, Chad Kelly. Chad Chad Kelly was the last pick in the draft. I'm not going to hold that over him. Okay, that's fair. But those were the two biggest quarterbacks that have been drafted by John Elway. And amongst others, he just cannot seem to hit, hit on a quarterback. Yeah. It, it's it, why the Chiefs don't draft quarterbacks usually. Patrick Mahomes was a rare exception. 
first the first quarterback they've taken since what the 80s? Todd Blackledge. That was back in the 80s or yeah. late 70s? 84, 85. At one point, the Chiefs could have drafted Dan Marino, but that's a uh, that's a different point. Well, yeah. Ever since ever since that draft, they, they've stayed away from quarterbacks, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, listen, if you drafted Todd Blackledge, you stay away from trying to draft quarterbacks, too. <laughs> Honestly. Well, it's a strategy that didn't, hasn't paid off. Yeah. Drafting for a quarterback is tough. It's really tough. Because, like, you know... Like, because it, like, sits with you if you miss on a quarterback. Like, it it stays with you for a while. Mm-hmm. If you, like, bust on a quarterback pick, if you've got a guy for three years, then you're terrified you're going to get someone else that's just like him. That's just not good. Well, the, well, the Chiefs, would you, you want to say they got lucky with Patrick Mahomes? Uh, or do you think that's also some good scouting? There's but... a, I mean, I'm a firm believer in that lots of football in general involve, like has to do with scheme. A lot of success in football from individual players has to do that way. like mm-hmm. Because look at Jared Goff in his first year in Los Angeles compared, like with Jeff Fisher and the whoever the interim coach was there compared to the next year with Sean McVay. He looked like two different quarterbacks. So I think it's a combination of Mahomes' skill set, which is incredible. I'm not trying to diminish how good Patrick Mahomes is. He's a very good player and a very good quarterback. But at the same time, he's with a coach that allows him to be himself. He maximizes his potential. Yeah. Well, and uh, that that's not necessarily the philosophy that Derek Dooley's had with Drew Locke the last couple of years either. What do you mean? Derek Dooley has the offensive coordinator is very put he's pigeonholed the he's has pigeonholed the offense. Just a little yeah. bit. You could say that. Yeah, I think as far as like to kind of like bring it back to Drew Locke here, I think uh man, if you want to talk about teams that could like maximize his potential cuz like the way like okay, so I was reading like a profile before the show started in this uh this uh, website i think it was like nfl like had him compared to matt stafford which is like you know cannon arm not super mobile but mobile when he wants to accuracy problems that kind of stuff i feel like that would work better when he's got like a team of like you know like speedy like athletic wide receivers like at at the helm things like that uh coach says more like offensively minded as far as scheme goes, which brings me to one of two teams that would be, like, preferable for Drew Locke. That's not to say they would probably draft him. And that's the Patriots, because, like, duh, because Bill Belichick's, like, the best coach, like, of all time. And they got a really solid core of wide receivers there, even though they don't have, like, Rob Gronkowski. It's entirely possible that the Patriots could still, you know, sling together, like, a and Belichick could sling together a very solid offensive scheme for Drew Locke to maximize his potential and the Bucks. I feel the like. Bucks. Yeah. You know, I, that's an interesting show. They don't have Deshaun Jackson anymore, though. They don't have Deshaun they, Jackson, but they still have Mike Evans, I believe. They still yeah. got O.J. Howard. They have Mike Evans who can, like, catch anything he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> which, is so, which I feel like is, like, a wide receiver that you kind of, like, need to have yeah. if you're Drew Locke in the NFL. And you also need someone who's, like, you know, very, like, offensive-minded, like, can, like, craft together a good scheme for you. And I think Bruce Arians is still one of those coaches, even though he, like, took that, mm-hmm. like, sabbatical and was a coach for a while. I think, like, all of that being said, I think those are, like, the two, like, optimal spots you want to go if you're Drew Locke. But I feel like he's probably going to end up probably around, like, the Giants or, like, I mean, or, like the uh, Broncos. The Buccaneers at five. Would be mo- if Drew Lock goes before five, something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Drew Lock going before number five, I'm going to go back to the well that I have been pre- like to the podium that I've been preaching on top of. The well you've been preaching in a well. That's yep. right. I've, 
Anyways, going hey. back to where I've been preaching <laughs> since October. Other than that, there is no one, no one more old school that will love a pretty boy white guy, big-armed quarterback than John Gruden in the oh. Oakland Raiders at number four. That's an evil oh, energy Lordy. you just put out into the world, Matthew Terry. That's and, an evil energy. Oh, Boy, I can see John Gruden making a big mistake. Yeah, and, and passing on someone like Ed Oliver would still go or Josh three Allen, and, three and fourteen. Or I mean, hey, man, and going with Drew Lock at number four. Listen, man, Derek Carr is twenty-eight, and those bones don't knit any faster. So, <laughs> <laughs> what? It might be time. Yeah, I'm, but, I mean, he's injury prone. Yeah, Derek Carr is, and it's not going to get any better as he gets older. So. It's yeah. entirely possible that the Raiders might want to try to like take a chance on like a young quarterback, either in this draft or next draft. And I think a quarterback like Drew Locke sort of like fits the bill that uh, John Gruden might be looking for. Can we bring well, up the Patriots, also... by the way? What? With Drew Locke's possibility going to the Patriots. Oh, yeah, that was going to be like... If he goes that late. That's like a worst-case scenario slash best-case scenario. It's cause... a worst-case scenario for Chiefs fans. That, yeah, but it's also like a, a sort of like a... Best slash worst case scenario for Drew Locke because, like, on the other hand, you get picked last on a like opening night of the draft, like a la Lamar Jackson. But you also go to the Patriots. And you probably so. don't start for two or three years. Yeah, probably not. That's where I'd like to see him go, though, just personally for his own success. I yeah. think that'd be the best oh, yeah. spot for him to develop under Tom Brady. Um, a team that I and I don't like the Patriots, but I mean for his like you know kind of just you just gotta let him go. A yeah. team that I do want to see Drew Locke go for, not from their success. Not for their coaching, and really not for any other discernible reason other than that they need a quarterback, and I really like the jerseys as the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, dude, I had a Miami pinned as, like, a potential landing spot for Drew Locke as well, especially since they also have, like, a quarterback, an older quarterback on a one- or two-year deal. And Ryan you know, Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's magic, baby. That's right, moving, like, I don't know, like a few hours across state. All right, so final pick before we head into the first break. Uh, where do you think tomorrow night Drew Locke's name is called and where do you think he goes? Uh, I'm going to say this hurts, but Denver at 10. I'm going to say Patriots. Patriots at 32. I, I think he'll be, yeah, I think he'll be one of the last players taken overall in the first round. In the interest of not agreeing with Chris, if only because I want to switch things up a little bit, uh, Washington at 15. Oh, oh, Josh Neighbors would uh, appreciate that one. Oh, yeah. Would he, though? Do you I feel believe like he, that, that earlier, before we came in here, he said that Kansas, he'd be a good draft pick for Kansas City? <laughs> I, he was totally joking about yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. He, there's, there's, no way, there's no way Josh is being serious. Yeah, that, that would just be a disaster. One rookie quarterback after another. Yeah. All right. We're going to go to a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue our NFL draft coverage because Locke's not the only Missouri player that is going to be drafted this upcoming weekend. We'll have more about that. But first, I finally found the ad read sheet because I was on the floor <laughs> next to me. I was looking around for all that. Hey, Chris. Hey, what? Hey, James. Are you looking to start a podcast but don't know how? I'm afraid not. What do I do? Well, well, Chris, well soundbite. Let me tell you, KCOU is the place to go to make that happen. Oh, for real? Our trained producers will help you record, edit, and post your podcast on whatever platforms you need. 
For more information and pricing, contact brand new KCOU Business Director Nash Walker. That's right. KCOU Sports Radio Nash Walker. At business at KCOU.fm. That is business at KCOU.fm. Let KCOU help make your podcast ideas a reality. More NFL draft talk coming up after the break, folks. Don't go away. This is Salute Your Sports on KCOU at 8.1 FM. Missouri Tigers football and men's and women's basketball on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU Sports is brought to you by El Rancho. Located at 1014 East Broadway, El Rancho provides themselves in serving up fresh and authentic Mexican food. To look at their menu and learn more, go to www.columbiamomexicanfood.com. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU 88.1 FM, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Tune in to Comfy and Nautica for good vibes. Start your day Wednesdays from 10 to noon here on KCOU. KCOU would like to thank B&B Bagel for their support. Located at 124 East Nifong Boulevard, B&B Bagel offers affordable made-from-scratch bagels, sandwiches, pastries, and more. Need an event catered? Call B&B Bagel today and they will take care of you and your event. For more information, visit their website, bbbagel.com, or find them on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you, B&B Bagel, for your support of KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM and KCOU Sports, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Hello, this is Pierce Porterfield, and you're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM. The sound of confusion. Enjoy your listen. Enjoy your listen. Sundays at 9 a.m., it's the weekly walkthrough. Tune in to KCOU 88.1 FM to hear Ethan Salm and Nick Catlin recap everything that happened in the world of sports this week. Start your Sunday off right with the weekly walkthrough. Follow us on Twitter at Weekly Walk KCOU for updates on the show. And remember to tune in to KCOU 88.1 at 9 a.m. on Sundays. KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, and KCOU.FM. Hello, world. Welcome back. Salute your sports here in KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Matthew Terry, James Stanley, Chris Mitchell alongside me. We're going to continue our NFL draft talk in just a little bit, but Chris just told me during the break something so profoundly absurd and just irre- like irrevocably beautiful that I I have to share this. Okay, you want me to just read this off here? Go for it, Chris. This is not Mizzou-related at all, but I love it all the same. Okay, so this is from a USA Today transcription of a story about Magic Johnson, and the quote goes, My understanding is that there were some emails that were exchanged between uh, Rob and Jeannie about Magic and about what Magic was and wasn't doing. Magic, of course, being Magic Johnson. They were critical emails, and somehow, someway, Jeannie, from what I understand, was CCing or blind CCing Magic on everything. That was a sort of protocol, standard issue. 
somehow the exchange between Rob and Jeannie ended up on that string of the blind CCs that were going to Magic. So Magic now is seeing emails from Rob to Jeannie that were critical of what he was doing. And maybe most important in all of this is that there was no indication that Jeannie was backing up Rob in terms of either going to Magic and letting him know this was going on or going back at Rob and defending Magic. Rob, I'm guessing is uh, Rob Perez. Rob, uh, no. Can you give me some background? Uh, I really don't understand what's going on. Yeah, Rob Polinka. Oh, so Irvin Magic Johnson. (laughs) I went straight to Rob Perez. Yeah, the president of the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Is he president? Or he was president of basketball operations. Yeah, Magic was. Of the Los Angeles Lakers. uh, Quit because the team president and owner were were emailing each other about how bad he was at his job, and they were accidentally CCing him in all these emails. So he's like, yeah, I'm out. I don't need this. Which, honestly, the more I hear about the story, the more I, like, don't play Magic Johnson, the more I'm like, yeah, I feel this. How? How are you that incompetent? I'm amazed. You had one job. I'm stunned. Powerful. How do you blind see... How to blind play? to blind CC somebody that's that that's actually takes effort of entering their yeah. name into the CC line. Of course, yeah. that's like uh, I she believe... had to like think and like yeah, I want to I want Magic to see all this. I want Magic to see what we're saying about it. Of course, I mean like I think it's like standard like issue for like yeah. I don't know like any like official like Lakers like correspondence. It was but pro- this was definitely like not one of those official correspondence. Yeah, it was probably just like a force of habit type thing. Yeah, because like a protocol it's kind of thing. thing. Imagine, like like the Trump administration. Yeah. In, <laughs> imagine just like getting an email from your boss about how horribly you're doing. Well, that's not supposed to go to you. That would that would be disheartening. That would be very disheartening. And I can see if you're someone like Magic Wire, you'd quit after that. Yeah. Especially, like, without telling her, too. Honestly. Like, Magic didn't tell Jeannie Buss that he was quitting. He just yeah. quit in a press conference and blocked out of the entire organization. It's not going to be there. God, the Lakers are a train wreck, and I love it. It's really good. Anyways, NFL draft coming up this weekend. Uh, right. Now we're getting back on topic. And there are two other big-name Missouri uh, Tigers that should be drafted this upcoming weekend. So we're going to discuss them for these next few minutes, one of them being the defensive tackle, former five-star recruit, Terry Beckner Jr. So Beckner, like I mentioned, came into Mizzou with a lot of hype, a lot of fanfare. He was Mizzou's highest-ranked uh, recruit since Doriel Green Beckham came to school back in 2013, or 2012, actually. And Beckner had a good Mizzou career but was hampered by multiple ACL tears and just really struggled at points. But going into this year's NFL draft, Walter Football has him as their 13th rated defensive tackle, which I think is right. This is a very stacked defensive just line draft in general with guys like Quinn Williams and Ed Oliver who could both go top five. And then you have Christian Wilkins, Dremont Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, Jerry Tillery. All, those are all just defensive tackles that could all go in the first round. Normally you don't see defensive tackles taken that high in general. Like normally you see them mid-late first round, more towards the second round just because of the value. But those are all like five to six potential first-round picks at defensive tackle. So it's natural that Beckner would be pushed down the board a little bit. But at 13, right now you're looking at Terry Beckner to like a third or a fourth-round pick. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of where I had him. Yeah, that, that's about where I, where I put him too. I mean, actually, I think I had him more like a fourth or fifth round because there, there are like a few issues, of course, like his motor – being one of them, that was one of the things that he was sort of like knocked for injuries on top of that. Yep. Uh, if it was like rush isn't going well, then it just kind of like fizzles out. Of I, course, just, I just feel like the whole defensive line should have been better. 
than what yeah. it was with if it, you know if he's really the quality of a uh, trying to think of a good defensive tackle that, that Mizzou's had like a you know, like a Ziggy Hood or a uh, or was a was Justin Smith a tackle or he an end? Uh, uh, Justin Smith was a defensive end. All right, I think well, the last well, big I'm, defensive I'm tackle the t- was Sheldon Richardson. Was yeah, he? but the whole line just seemed like it was better this year. No, no, no. I'm saying with like Richardson and I mean because it was. I mean, of course, that's also when, you know, the hashtag D-Line Mizzou got started, too. D-Line Zoo. That is a sense falling off. But also looking at Walter football and scrolling through this mock draft to find where they have various Mizzou players going. Uh, Matt Miller did not have Drew, uh, not have a Terry Beckner or Emmanuel Hall, who's the other Mizzou player that should be drafted in their in his top three rounds. Neither does Walter football. Emmanuel Hall is a player that I could see going. Uh, definitely a little bit closer towards that fourth round, but could slide up in the third round because of his proficiency as a deep ball specialist. Yeah, I can see that definitely. There, there's some team who could take value in him, I believe. Just like, <laughs> I'm just not sure who. At yeah, this, like, I'm so sure. I mean, personally, as a New Orleans Saints fan, I would like to see Ooh. Emmanuel Hall going to the Saints, but the Saints only have like a second round pick, and I don't know if he's worth that back of the second. Yeah, I don't think so either. That'd be, be a, a little bit high. Unless you really see something and you coaches really think they can uh, get something out of him. Outside of that, yeah, I'd probably be more comfortable with like a fourth round through like late third slash early fifth round, somewhere in there. I think Hall will go higher than Beckner will. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. I just, I just don't know where. Because these are... It becomes a lot harder to predict team fits in the back of in these backgrounds of the draft. Oh yeah, especially when like you don't project them to be like actual like starters like right out the gate. At least as much as you do with like first round picks. And it also will depend on where teams go earlier in the draft. True. So like a team that could use a wide receiver might use a first round pick on AJ Brown or Nikhil Harry. Right. And thus won't need Emmanuel in like the third round. But if they miss on those two guys, then they might have to double back and go with Hall later. Do you think there's a chance that Hall could go undrafted? No. Think somebody will take a flyer on him? Oh, I don't. I think teams will take more than a flyer on him. I think Hall. I, is, I just have a feeling with him being with him being injury prone. I think that that's going to be on the back of the biggest issue I feel with with Hall is the drops. But, and that's one of those things that does scare me. He's such a long ball threat, though. Yeah, that's why I think teams will take a chance on him. He was so he was so good with. Uh, with Clutch Hal. also is another yeah. thing a really good word to describe him as well as uh, Okawebenov. Yeah, Okawebenov who might end up being a first round pick next year. Hmm, definitely possible. Um, let's see. Well, speaking of uh, wanting Emmanuel Hall uh, and like Drew Lock having like deep threats, I could see a team like uh, if they drafted Drew Lock Tampa, you know, picking up on like someone like Emmanuel Hall, just sort of like replace the void that Deshaun Jackson left behind, just having someone that's like that super deep threat. Yeah, he's not really that fast, but he can like you know. So you're saying that whoever drafts Lock will end up grabbing on the hole? Not necessarily. It depends on, like, if they have, like, the right personnel for Drew Locke. Like, I don't, like, maybe, like, a Denver or something, but, um... I think Hall is a good, is a good compliment, like, two or three wide yeah. receiver. A good, like, if you need an outside guy that can stretch the field. But, at least I that's could... my opinion on where Hall will go. For Beckner, it's always hard finding defensive tackle fits because it's just so... It's so... It's a thankless position. You only really notice the great and great defensive tackles. Yeah. Like your pass rushers like Aaron Donald mm-hmm. or like 
players that play on the inside because they're primarily there to be run stoppers. And I think if Beckner can get his pat his like pass rushing under control, he could be a lot better. But I don't know. That's defensive tackle is always a hard position to judge. Same with offensive line, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's why the Chiefs always uh, draft offensive linemen or uh, defensive tackles, <laughs> seems like. Except for Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Shot Eric Fisher. All hey, right, by so the way, are we going to talk about Jay Macklin? We can. Let's he talk just, about him now. Well, you know, he, over the weekend, he uh, he committed to going to Mizzou. He did. Big, so that's cool. That was a big signing, cousin of Jeremy Macklin. Everyone thinks it's his brother. Bob, uh, yeah. But it is his it's it is his cousin. Yeah. Yeah, big, big legacy get for Mizzou right there. Yeah. Which I'm a little bad. surprised that he committed this early because his all other indications said that he was going to commit um in june hmm is he committing for not 20 for next year right or for 2020 uh, i think he's class of 2019 well, let's find out pretty you know, sure quick google search uh 2020 2020 okay according to rivals class of 2020 uh three star out of kirkwood kirkwood high school well macklin was was he a five star uh, i don't think so he, I think he, he, was, was, he was at least a four star because cause Oklahoma originally wanted him, and right. they, they let him go, and Gary Pinkle doing what he does best with his recruiting, taking all the unwanteds and yeah. turning them into a wonderful product. Yeah, I think Jay's like a three-star, I think? Yeah. Three or somewhere like that? Jay's a three-star. I talking about Jeremy. Okay, right, yeah. Yeah, I think he was like a four or five-star, too. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, according to 24-7, was a three-star. Really? Ooh. Yep. Okay. Wow. 30th-ranked wide receiver in the entire class. Wow. That's a very Mizzou get. Yeah. Yeah. It bodes well, I think. Well, you also know that the Mac Brown went after Chase Daniel. Well, Chase Daniel originally wanted to go to Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas said too short. Then then Mac Brown later on wanted him. Yeah. He said too late. Uh, to spe- speaking of Mac Brown and telling players got that, McCoy. Speaking of Mac Brown and telling players that they're too short to play. Uh, that reminds me of him uh, uh, Drew Brees wanted to go to a North Carolina when he was when he was playing football, except Brees was coming off an ACL tear in his junior year. And uh, right. North Carolina would not offer him. And so thus, uh, the only offers he uh, he got were from Purdue and Kentucky. Let's go to the Boilermakers and the rest of the sister. Can you oh, imagine if, if Texas had held on to Chase Daniel? He probably, been the, he probably would have been the backup to Colt McCoy. Yeah, he probably would have came into the national championship game. <laughs> Chase Daniel would have played in the national championship. Hey, but, Chase Daniel does have a Super Bowl ring, though. That is true. That's true. Yes, thanks. Who that? Uh, Whom that? Do we want to uh, stay, keep it right here? Talk about Mizzou baseball real quick. Sure, why not? After that, I got you, I got your guys' horn already. Oh boy! Oh, funny. <sighs> uh, Mizzou I, baseball. The wrath of James Stanley is going to be raining down on you in about ten minutes. Good. But for for giving me back to back Ornaz with WWE. Hey, that's what you get for the, not showing up for a month. Which is now it's the fourth total WWE Ornaz we've had this <laughs> semester. <laughs> not this semester, this year. No, okay, year. That's a bit more. I try to keep it. Try to. I mean, that was only because you had not been on the show for two months. Well, okay, spring break was part of that. Hey, you also missed like the entire month of March. And and slept through a show. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. And bailed on us the day before in a show. Okay, the hits keep coming. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle (laughs) James is doing that smile. We're like, (sighs) I know you're right. That's all, that's all I wanted to hear, James. Okay. Um, Mizzou baseball. Big Mizzou win baseball. Last night. Oh, yeah. Big win last night. Big, uh, terrible series this past weekend. Oof. Going on the road to Athens and getting swept, scoring four runs in three games. And a triple play with the bases loaded. 
Yep, losing 3-0, 5-2, and 4-2. And it was about time the Tigers were brought back to earth. They're a good team, but they're not as good as the sixth-ranked team in the country, especially on the road. I think that that first inning, though, on Thursday, is that on Thursday when they hit the triple uh, play? It was on Friday. Friday. The very first inning just set the pace for that game. Yeah. And I, and I think if, if Mizzou comes away with at least three runs there, they might win that one just because momentum would have swung their way. Yeah. I mean, Mizzou's pitching is good enough. And also, Georgia scored three runs at the bottom of that inning. Yeah. Mizzou. But, but like, even then, you're so deflated yeah. at that point, and Georgia was on you know, is on fire. You know that. You know they've done stories about stories. They've done studies about some of these teams that have had steroid users on them. Everyone's batting average goes up. Hmm. There, there's something mental about and actually Are testosterone. You that everyone levels. in Georgia's on steroids. No, 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 no. Go I'm dogs. saying with like, with with like, especially the San Francisco Giants. Even the players that were not using steroids, their testosterone levels were higher than normal. It's just, just, it's, it's just kind of a mental thing, you know, where your where your team's doing well, you're going to be doing well. You yeah, never know how, how, and baseball is like the one of the only sports that's like that. Yeah, baseball is such a mental sport because, like, you'll see it all the time. Like, a pitcher will throw like seven no hit innings and then give up like three runs because one dude got a hit, and then they just can't. And then that gets like the entire team going, and they just like everyone can suddenly see the ball better and start hitting. Baseball is such a mental game, and like a blow like that can just really take the wind out of your sails for the rest of the game. Yeah, and I think that's what happened on Friday and in effect on Saturday. But Mizzou got it back together for Tuesday's game against Missouri State, which Mizzou won six to two, completing the season sweep of the in-state Bears. And now mm-hmm. they uh, hold the all-time series record, thirty to twenty-nine. Oh, oh, that's good. Uh, Mizzou's baseball record now standing at twenty-seven and fifteen and one, falling to seven ten and one in conference, still firmly in a position to go to the SEC tournament. Remember the, I, I think, though, you've you got to get at least two out of three this weekend, though. Oh, yeah. South, uh-huh. Car- South Five Carolina. Five-game homestand. Mm-hmm. South Carolina at home this weekend. Not ranked. Got to win this one. Got SEMO coming up on Tuesday before you go on the road to uh, Tennessee and then to Vanderbilt. Six games where Mizzou, Mizzou needs to take at least two of those six, but it's going to be tough. This SEC schedule is a gauntlet. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, it was kind of at, like, at Vanderbilt, at fourth-ranked Vanderbilt. If you can get one of those games, you're happy. That's I agree. my mentality. Just win one. Win and, one there and try to maybe win two out of three at Tennessee. Yeah, at the very least, win your final home series against Florida, and that should put you in a good position to make the NCAA tournament, make a regional. And that's what Mizzou's goal should be right now: just make a regional. Yeah, I feel that. I don't think they'll do much beyond that. But, hey, that's a success yep. versus, like, what we expected them to do this year. Oh, yeah. We'll take that to the bank and smoke it. <laughs> I don't think that's what it, That's not whatever. Put that We're in just your applesauce like, and drink it. To uh, spider face. Mizzou softball this weekend fly banana. Uh, improved their record to 29 and 18 with a uh, – was it a sweep against – yes, a sweep at home against Texas A&M, winning 4-3 on Thursday, 8-0 run rule on Friday, and 4-0 on – Saturday, also winning back-to-back in a doubleheader against SEMO just yesterday. 4-3 and 4-1. They've got a series at Mississippi State this upcoming weekend. Mizzou softball just continues to roll. They're now 10-8 and eight in conference. Also another team doing a lot better than we expected of them. Yeah, I agree. But, again, it's one of those things just like the Texas A&M softball team isn't really that good. So it's really, like, you know, a good sign to watch to see uh, Mizzou softball team just sort of, like, roll over them, especially at home. And especially since Mizzou is like pretty much consensus picked last to finish in softball in the SEC. Yeah. Good to see them. They're firmly like fifth middle of the pack right now. 
And so always beating the teams you need to beat, especially Texas A&M and Southeast Missouri State. All right. Going to take another short break, but before we come back, are you looking for live music for your event? Yeah. Well, look no further than KCOU 88.1 FM. Whether it be an event for your student organization, local business, or even a private party, let KCOU's trained DJs provide the jams. Our DJs work with you to craft the right playlist for your event at an affordable price. For more information, contact Trent McRae. Are you sure about that? Yes, I am, James, at engineer at kcou.fm. That's Trent McRae for engineer at kcou.fm. Got or not coming up after the break, so stay tuned, folks, and don't go away. You're listening to Salute Your Sports on KCOU 88.1 FM. The charade. There doesn't seem to be a reason to change. You know, I feel so dirty when they start. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. Culture, KCOU, society, KCOU, you, me, togetherness, equality, eternity, KCOU, Deep Space, Travel and Leisure, KCOU, Magazine Subscription, ends eventually, just as all of us do. 88.1 FM, Columbia, Missouri. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. Welcome back. You're listening to Salute Your Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Matthew Terry, Chris Mitchell beside me, James Stanley sitting across from me. As we get into the last about 15 minutes of this show, and James has promised a just awful or not. So I am going to turn the microphone over to my good friend James Stanley and let him take it from here for the rest of this segment so this is or not james stanley take it away <sighs> oh you know where this one's going uh-huh uh-huh i oh, told yeah. you last week i yep. told yeah, you you did civil war battlefields or not yep i should have prepared i should have yep what do you think about that <laughs> i mean i think it's funny you know what really disturbs me about this is that this is an American song. It's, I mean, this is like it's an old American song. Yes. And I don't mind other, uh, you know, other like people using it, but the picture for this on YouTube is an anime picture, which makes I zero was, sense. I, I was wondering why you had the anime up on your laptop. But I wasn't going to say anything. No, it, it makes zero sense, and that's why I covered it up because I don't like anime. But. My favorite version of the song is the uh, the Seattle Sounders victory song we've crafted to this tune. 
Ooh, All right. That's pretty, so that's pretty strong. To, who, who wants to taste the medicine first? Uh, I'll do it. Uh, no, I'll do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's start. I'll start you with something easy. How about uh, the Battle of Shroot Farms? <laughs> no. I say you better get that one right. Uh, I take we have an office fan? What? We have an office fan here, I take it? Uh, you can call it that. I mean, I've never seen the, the office, so I probably would have gotten that wrong. I should, I should have asked you. All right, let's go uh, to the Battle of Cockle Creek. Is battle it a Civil what? War battle or not? Cockle Creek. Can you say uh, that over here? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say yes. Oh, no. No, I, no I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, that, no, that, no, that is right. James? Yeah. I mean, What's granted, I did name? the same thing last week, but James? What was the union name for that battle? I'm not sure. Okay. I just I just took the funniest sounding names I could find. It was in Virginia in 1861. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So state. the union probably didn't have a battle for that or a name for that. All right, let's go to uh, the Battle of Stoner's Crossroads. Is it a Civil War battlefield or not? I'm gonna go not. Man, this is Woo! backfiring in my face. <laughs> yeah, that, that is uh, that is not a real battlefield. All right, so uh, Matthew Terry leading two to one. Screen, the greatest team you've ever seen. Seattle. All right, careful, That's or else I'm going to put you back in <laughs> back in timeout. Let's go to uh, the Battle of Dead Buffalo Lake. Is that a Civil War battlefield or not? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, one of three battles fought in the great state of North Dakota. Ooh. So two two. So yeah, we are tied two two. Man, people really don't talk about like. Why can't I get these right when you all <laughs> give me WWE? This is ridiculous. All right, let's go to uh, the Battle of Fort Bridgestone. Is that a Civil War battlefield, yes or not? Nah? Um, Matthew Terry. I'm going to go with yes. No. Fort Bridgestone <laughs> is what Captain Andrew Locke on Twitter calls his home field. What? Bridgestone Arena. Oh, Bridgestone no, I'm Arena's sorry. In Nashville. I'm sorry, Ryan Ellis. I get them mixed up. There's oh. too many of those Civil War parody accounts. See, that's what I thought. I thought Bridgestone. Um, my first thought was Bridgestone Arena, but, like, I don't know. Okay, so uh, it's a 2-1 or 2, no, tied 2-2, two, two, and the bottom of the third we go. Let's go to uh, the Battle of Salty Springs. Is that a Civil War battlefield, yes or no? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's Womp. from Fortnite. Oh, I've never played Fortnite. <laughs> oh, no, wow. So tied 2-2 two, two <laughs> into the top of the fourth. We Dang, do not look exposed. smart. We do not look smart right now, Chris. <laughs> We look smart for a second there. And then we look smart and then ruined all of our credibility in like yeah. two answers. Let's go to uh, the Battle of Funkstown. Is that a real battle, yes or no? Battle of what? Funkstown. Can you use it in a sentence? Funkstown. It's not a sentence. The Battle of Funkstown was very it? funky. F-U-N-K-S-T-O-W-N. Funkstown. Can you pronounce it? Okay, no, I'm not saying it anymore. <laughs> Is it a Civil War battlefield, yes or no? No. Nah. Oh, well. Maryland, 1863, <laughs> if you can believe that one. <laughs> Don't worry. They, there's more. They get better. That's really good. All right, here we go into uh, the bottom of the fourth inning. Let's go to the Battle of Cockpit Point. Is that a Civil War battlefield, yes or no, nah? Chris say, Mitchell? I'm going to say nah. Please turn off my mic before I start laughing. <laughs> Yes, it was a real battlefield, also from Maryland in 1862. Man, the Terps got down <laughs> up there. They All got right. with it. Let's go uh, to uh, the Battle of Pig Point. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> mm. 
Virginia, 1861. It is a real battle. That's very on brand. It really is. All right. Uh, still uh, still 2-2 into the bottom of the fifth we go. Uh, James, James begs for it to backfire and it immediately backfired. The or battle. Or what it, it's, it's just called the River of Blood. <laughs> is that a Civil War battlefield, yes or no? I'm going to say yeah. What? No. Okay. This one is on Trump's golf course in Virginia on the banks of the Potomac. He erected a fake Civil War monument. That's I'm not pretty surprised. Claiming that the that that the Potomac River, which you know how wide the Potomac River is at that yes. point, it ran red with blood for two miles. You know how much blood that would take? A lot of blood, I assume. <laughs> it's Too a much. mile wide. That's a lot of blood. That that'd be absolutely crazy. So uh, here we go into the sixth. I figured that was like the Confederate name for like Shiloh or something. <laughs> I know so little about the Civil War that, like, these these could all be right. <laughs> like, it's working for James. All right, let's go to uh, the Battle of Cox Plantation, spelled K-O-C-K. Yep, give me a second. Um, yeah, you're not Googling that. No, no I'm not Googling it. Oh. Um, let's see. <laughs> He's flipping a coin. <laughs> <laughs> all right, heads, heads for yes, tail for no. Nah. Nah. Dang it! That's a real battle in 1863 from the state of Louisiana. We got to apologize to the Pulse. <laughs> we have to apologize to those who listen. We're not running over. We still got time here. Yeah, true. It's uh, what's the lead here? Is it still two it's two? Still, we have it's two, Chris two, and I have, like both hit our first two and have missed everyone's sense. All right, let's go like to uh, let's see Chris Mitchell. It's uh, no, no yes, yeah, Chris Mitchell's turn now. Yeah, let's go to uh, Pilot Knob, Battle of Pilot Knob. Is that a real battle? Yes or no? Uh, no. <laughs> interesting. That that one took place in, in South Southeast Missouri. Ooh, oh. 1864. Uh, how many more of these do you have? I have a lot more, but I have the tiebreaker, which if you, if neither of you get the next, well, I'll give you both two more chances. Okay. okay. Let's, let's kind of speed this up a bit. All right, uh, let's go to the Battle of Potts Creek. Uh, Is yes. that a battle? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is not a battle. All right, let's go to the Battle of the now Big. It's getting frustrating. Let's go to the Battle of the Big Black River Bridge. Is that a real Civil War battlefield, yes or not? Oh, uh, yes. Woo! <laughs> yeah! From Mississippi in 1863. All right. All right, this is to stay alive, Matthew Terry. Oh, uh, yes. You got to. You, uh, Please get you're this on right. the doorsteps of Appomattox Courthouse. <laughs> Let's go to the Battle of Toker's Junction. Is that a real Civil War battlefield, yes or not? No. Oh, he stays alive. Amazing. <laughs> How did you give him that softball after all the work I did? Oh, because he missed Potts Creek. Because I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Now you know how it feels. All right, this yeah. is uh, this. Is this the walk-off? Uh, yes. Chance to walk it off. <laughs> all right, let's go to the Battle of Beans Station. Uh, is that yeah. a real Civil Ding, ding. Yeah. Chris Mitchell wins. Shout out Bean Station. Like the Union. Uh-huh. So nerdy. <laughs> Words can't describe how little I paid attention in history class. You hear, well, I mean, these these battles are really, really, really obscure. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I combed through these, I went through a list of, like, 400 battles to, fi <laughs> to find these. That's extensive. Which also, I gave away the, uh, the, the tiebreaker question. But here's some of the other names. Hoover's Gap. Roan's Tan Yard. And these are all real names, by the way. Droop Mountain in West Virginia, <laughs> the Middle Boggy Depot, the Warebottom Church, and the Dinwiddie Courthouse. Some of the names Ooh. that did not get mentioned were uh, were Bluntville, <laughs> which is uh, that that one's fake, and then uh, Dick Spicer's Mill, and that's for uh, for Richard Spicer. Uh, I, I hope so. Which uh, was my 
great great uncle's name, so that's why I brought that in here. But that's cool. Uh, the tiebreaker question: How many battles were fought during the Civil War? Four hundred. Well, actually, there. Were, well, Chris Mitchell, which what was your guess? Uh, four thirty-seven. There were over eight thousand engagements across twenty-three states. Ah. Wow. That being said, only 384 are officially recognized by the U.S. Department of the Interior as actual battles because it depends on how many troops are on each side. Oh, yeah. So I, I know I took up yeah. too much time there, but I uh, finally got you back. Oh, all right. How does it feel, James? I don't feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just go right into our final segment. Uh, did it. we decide on what we're going to do for this? Uh, Aaron Grievous, I got Aaron, one. Aaron Grievous is, all right. Uh, is that cool with you, James? Yeah, it's fine. All right, cool. James, why the... Uh, uh, we don't have a soundbite for Aaron Grievous. We don't? Yeah, we do. Oh, now I, now I remember. We, we yeah, very much have a soundbite for Aaron Grievous. I remember now. With the airing of grievances. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're going to hear about it. All right, by this point, you guys know how this works. I wait for James to cue up the music for Aaron Grievances as the microphone falls in my face. Uh, we don't have music because someone took the dongle for the ox cord. Well, that is unfortunate. Oh, dear. All right, so, Chris. Yep. Uh, you're going to start. Go to James. Wrap around with me as I end things off. Okay. So, yes, James? Uh, Chris going first? Yes. Yeah, I'm going first. Just go. Okay, so my airing of grievance is uh, with uh, Steam and uh, Internet Connections here in the basement of the Student Center. So I tried to download a video game on Steam earlier today, and I, like, bought it, everything. It said, like, the transaction went through. I went to my Steam library. Uh, it said nothing there. So I tried going to, like, the store, like, uh, page, but, <laughs> oh, we got it. So I tried going to the store page, and it just, like, gave me, like, a uh, connection timeout. Connection timeout. Connection timeout, where I'm just trying to, like, download this game before the show, and just nothing happening. And then I couldn't even, like, I don't know, start it up and mess things down. So thanks, Steam. Thanks, Internet Connection down here in the basement. <laughs> You're great. You're actually terrible. I don't like you. I'm going back with, uh, I believe I had an Eric Grievances against Ron Culpa a couple weeks ago. The umpire who uh, stared into the Houston Astros dugout. He's back at it again. A what? Oh! A remix. This That's time right. with the new EP with, with with the Cardinals, and I believe this is uh, I don't think it's the same series right now that they have with the Brewers, but it was over the last week. He called out Chris, er, uh, Christian Yelich. He called out Yelich. No, pardon me, Goldschmidt. Man, I cannot get any of the players straight. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt. I'm not a Cardinals fan, but this is absolutely ridiculous. Goldschmidt checked his swing. The pitch was like seven inches. In, you know what I'm talking about? He's seven inches inside over the shoe tops of Goldschmidt. And check swing, and Ron Culpa calls it a foul tip strikeout. Just terrible. Oh, my goodness, that's bad. All right, uh, last thing for those that follow any sort of sports, they know that Dame time was enacted last night as Damian Lillard hit a ridiculous 37-foot buzzer beater to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I'm not going to talk about that specifically. I'm going to talk about what the members of the Thunder had to say about it, specifically Paul George. Yeah. He said this, and I quote, that's a bad shot. I don't care what anybody says. That's a bad shot. But, hey, he made it. That story won't be told that it's a bad shot. But you just live with that. And I have a problem with that because, yeah, you got beat on one of the most ridiculous buzzer beaters to knock you out of the playoffs. Have a little bit of humility. They're immediately coming up with excuses like, oh, yeah, I mean, he made it, but that's a bad shot. Oh, don't talk about it that much. Man, you were the worst. I want to like the Thunder really bad. I want to like these these players on this team like Westbrook and George, but they're just so unlikable. The Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm so glad they got like, beast, like destroyed in the playoffs. 
by the Portland Trailblazers. I'm so bad that their season is done and that I will not have to watch them play until October when they can go out next year in the first round of the playoffs on another stupid and humiliating fashion. And I'm going to laugh every single time that it happens because the Oklahoma City Thunder players are just the worst. Uh, can I interject here? I just saw that quote earlier on like a Scrub Quotes account. <laughs> For like uh, one of like the FGC things I follow, I like gotcha. how they were like picking up on it for being scrubbed. All right, one last thing I want to say before we go off the air is that I just implore you all, please. For over 50 years, KCOU has provided Columbia with music, sports, and news coverage you can only find right here on 88.1 FM. And the only way we can continue to deliver this content is with your support. Please consider donating to KCOU 88.1 FM this winter, spring, summer, and fall. Go to KCOU.FM, click the Donate tab. There are two specific places you may donate, and please, because every dollar counts. The students of KCOU 88.1 FM, including myself, Chris, and James, thank you for your support. This has been another edition of Salute Your Sports. For producer James Stanley, for co-host Chris Mitchell, I have been Matthew Terry. Stay tuned for the polls coming up after this, and join us once again next week for another fine edition of Salute Your Sports. Once again, folks, thank you, stay tuned, and stay safe.